Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on the equations of the kingdom. I want to dive in today. Jahan kind of started it a few weeks ago. If you can't see what heaven sees, then you're stuck in the limitations of your current reality. And so we kind of been talking about vision, and she was talking about vision, and we went away to camp, to Ruah, and uh, we talked about Esther, and just really talked last week about seeing our place of authority correctly. And so I believe there's so much that's lacking and missing because we don't see things rightly. And so it's something we could talk about every Sunday from now to eternity, but I want to jump in again today. Um, and so that's where we'll be. I, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of forums and different things of pastors and online forums. And this week there was a discussion because someone heard a teaching that was talking about bringing heaven to earth. And so it, they were discussing whether or not that was biblical or not to uh, say bring heaven to earth, and I don't really understand what the debate is on that, because if we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does his will be done on earth as it is in heaven if heaven is not supposed to come to earth I, I don't understand that so his will we're supposed to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven i've talked with some folks this week about expectations i've had several conversations about expectations this week i think the greatest thing that causes offense i know i mean it is the definition of offense is unmet expectations right and so i think with people are the greatest uh opportunity for offense is having too high of expectations or uncommunicated expectations i think the greatest problem we have with god is too little expectations and I think it turns into offense because we don't trust God with things. We don't have an expectation of God to move in situations. So we take those matters into our own hands. Then we get upset with God because what we did didn't work. So unfair, right? And so I think that it starts, though, from a lack of expectation from God, this whole argument about how much should we depend on God to move and work in our behalf. And so we've relegated all these different camps that have made decisions about on what God will do, does do, still does, doesn't do in our midst. And so, so many times we get caught up in this place of limited expectations on the supernatural realm of the kingdom invading earth. And so I believe it leaves us at such a diminished place. And so I just want to um, 
I want to go to Mark chapter 8 today. And I think the problem is I've got our math teacher from RSW that put some equations up here. I don't have a clue what they mean, and I could never figure them out. But they look great. Thank you, Luis, for doing that. That freaks me out a little bit. Uh, didn't mean to give anybody a panic attack today or anxiety. You come up for prayer here in a little while, and we'll pray for that. But uh, it is stressful. So uh, I don't know what those mean, but I believe that even though we don't know what these mean, we spend so much of our life every day constantly. Now we have iPads and you know computers. We don't even know how to do math anymore, right? But in our decision-making process and in our navigating life, we are constantly trying to appropriate values to certain places that formulate and form, inform our decisions, okay? And so what you've got to understand is if you get one of the values, um, how about that one? Does that stress anybody out? <laughs> 4 plus 4 equals 8, all right? So if we misappropriate what 4 is, what happens? Eh, wrong answer. You get the wrong answer, right? And so, um, here's the deal with God. I need to do a little education for some people, too, real quick, on Xmas, just to help you out. X is the Greek symbol for Chi, okay, which is Christ. So Xmas came from the Greek, which is the original language, okay? So actually Christmas is more disrespectful than Xmas if we want to stay to the roots of who it is, Okay. Just so you know, you know, if you go around saying, you blasphemous, unsaved person, why would you remove the name of Christ? They're not. They're putting the name of Christ in the original language, okay? I know it's abbreviated. I know all that stuff. But let's just try not to, you know, find another soapbox to stand on, okay, and make you look better, <laughs> make you look smarter. So, you got the X. And so this is very basic, what is this, algebra? Okay, very basic algebra. And so we have to determine what the value of X is. So since I've already gave away my point, in this equation, it's Christ. So in life, he's the X factor. He's in every equation. Okay, and the question is, is if we get his value right. If we appropriate the right value to the X factor, we'll determine if we make, get the right answers, if we make right choices, if we end up in the right place, 
will all be determined on if he takes his proper place of value. And so if he is 100 and we think he is 5, right? Man, what is going on here? I need this. The answer was supposed to be 104. But we come up with nine. That's a life of serious deficiency. We are way under where we're intended to be. We're way under what he has put together. He knew who your mom was. He knew who your dad was. He knew who your brothers and sisters were. He knew all those equations, parts, and the formula, okay? And so knowing all these other equations, you got some negative equations, right? This should make me negative because I have this setback in my life. I have this situation. I have this. He knew all of this stuff. That's why he put the X factor in. That's why he sent his son so that none should perish. And this X factor negates all of this. See, there's an answer over here, and it's not different for any of us. The answer is holy, complete, and lacking nothing. Cup overflowing. The enemy came to steal, subtract, divide, diminish, but I have put myself into the equation so that you would have life and have it overflowing, super added, abundantly, more than you could ever ask for, think, or imagine because of this right here. But if we misappropriate this, we come out with lack. And it's all this. It has nothing to do. Nine times out of ten, if someone asks why you're here, we'll start giving them this. And this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. None of those were the problem. Unless you misappropriate this. Because this was enough. This was enough to take away every negative that's ever been. This is infinite of worth. There is no amount. When the lady touched him with the issue of blood and took virtue from him, you know that in Leviticus 15, if she touches him, I've preached this before, I'm sorry, I haven't even got to my text yet, I'm just fired up. The lady in Leviticus, you know, in Leviticus, if, it was, if you had an issue of blood, you were unclean. And if you touch someone, they were unclean. Matter of fact, if you sat in a chair, got up and left, someone came and sat in that chair later, they were unclean. And this lady touched Jesus. Okay? So we got all kinds of negatives working against that, right? But she touched Jesus. Your faith has made you whole. Immediately, all of these negatives, all of the law, 
all of the rules, all of the things that say you are there, all of the spent money, all of the disappointment. Remember, it says she had spent all that she had but had only grown worse. Can you imagine the disappointment of the things that she had put her faith in? Can you imagine how many times she said, well, if I go to this doctor and this and this and this and this and this, then I might come out whole? And it didn't happen. And then she said, well, maybe if I do this, then I'll come out. And it didn't happen. And she goes up and she touches Jesus. <laughs> and she came out whole. But we're misappropriating. We're miscalculating his worth. I've said many times when we talk about 1 Corinthians 11, the instructions for communion, it says if you take this in an unworthy manner, it brings a curse upon you. Look, the curse is upon you already. But if you take it in a worthy manner, it will offset the curse and bring you to wholeness. If you don't take it in a worthy manner, it'll leave you still in. An object in motion remains in motion unless acted on by an opposite force. So if you're in the curse, you remain in the curse until you see the infinite value of the cross, of the Christ, of the X factor that can transform your life and bring restoration and wholeness to you. Mark chapter 8. In those days when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way and some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people. Now, do you guys remember Jahan's sermon for just a couple weeks ago? She preached on this text. Just a few chapters before, Jesus fed 5,000 people. This is 4,000 people. So, I had to erase all this. That's hard work. That's why I'm not a teacher. It's board moves. We need to fix this thing. My goodness. So, just a few chapters before, he fed 5,000 people. Okay? With the remainder of what? If you don't like math, you probably won't like today. <laughs> Fed 5,000 people with a remainder of 12. Okay? What did he start with? Five loaves, two fish, equals 5,012. A few chapters later, there's 4,000 people. Disciples should be like, easy. 
We did 5,000 last week. Only 4,000 today. And check this out. There were seven loaves. You want another little teaching moment like we did with X? I tell people I want a couple of something all the time, and they just say, how many? <laughs> this, thank you. A couple is two. It is. You know, you're a couple. A couple is two. Okay? What's a few? Or, so how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground taking seven loaves. He gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve them. And they served them to the people. Verse 7, they also had a few small fish. Three or more. Four thousand. So, this one, they had more to feed less. Right. How many baskets did they have left over? But had less left over. What's that? Our formula, we're all messed up somehow, right? Wait. You know, those little things where you, uh, those things on Facebook or social media where they put all these numbers and you have to find the values, you know, like Big Mac plus fry plus milkshake equals that, and then you got to go back and find the values. So if we're assigning whatever appropriate values that these would take to equal 5,000 and you do it again down here, you would have way more left over, right? It doesn't make sense, right? Exactly. Here's our problem. We start evaluating our life, and we start trying to figure God out, and we start taking our circumstances and our situations, and if he moves different in one situation than he did in another situation, we start thinking he's abandoned us. Or he's not moving or he's not working. But the point is, everyone was full. Everyone was full. This over here don't matter. We get totally caught up with this. And this. <laughs> what we have and what somebody else ends up with. Instead of, there was one more thing here. What'd they do with the five loaves and two fish? What'd they do with the seven loaves and three plus fish? We need to be focused on this. And the fact, and believe for this. They were all Satisfied. But we take, we take inventory of our lives and we start focusing more on this than this and we think we'll never get this. 
and we start looking at what God did one time, and we ended up with that, and this time we only ended up with that, so then next time we're going to be lacking. Because we think God follows some man-made mathematical trend that could easily be calculated or figured out. Guys, bring your life, whatever it is, however it's diminished, bring it to him and let him make you holy, period. All these numbers and all these figures and all this, it didn't happen the way it happened before. And I've got different variables this time, and I'm not sure if everything's going to work out this time. We're putting the major emphasis on the wrong things. He ordered these to be served as well, and they ate and were satisfied, verse 8, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away and immediately entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmantha. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him, sighing deeply in his spirit. He said, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. They had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And he said to them, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Now check this out in verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. There's like... What has happened here? Has God's power diminished? Has Jesus' power diminished when we look at the outward signs of what he's done? He's just now giving the disciples a lesson on having eyes to see and not being able to see. There's absolutely no coincidence that a blind man walks up to Jesus and he spits in his eyes and prays for him And the blind man now sees men walking as trees. Jesus is teaching his disciples a lesson. He's teaching his disciples, I've just addressed seeing correctly with you. Now I'm going to give you a little demonstration of what it's like to see partially. 
and you guys can see that it's not good. And then you can see how easily we can let you see fully. Right? So he laid his hands on him again and prayed again. And he was restored and began to see everything clearly. You go on right on in that chapter. For sake of time, we won't read more of that, but Jesus then starts to ask his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, Christ, son of the living God. And then he's telling them he has to, um, I'm sorry, that might not be right. I don't want to tell you all that. I don't think that's the right passage. That's not the right passage when he did that. He asked him that in another passage. I've got that later in my notes. But here's where he starts to tell them that he's going to die and at the hands of men. And Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. And so this whole chapter, again, we talk about all these different stories, but they're just as one big lesson. So when Peter rebukes him, he says, get behind me, Satan, because you're looking at things through man's perspective and not God's. Yeah. And so this whole, you're seeing men like trees right now. You're seeing things wrong. You're miscalculating what I came to do. You've misunderstood that I could live and walk with y'all and heal a few more people or I could die and raise again and live inside of man forever. And so he's miscalculating. He says, you're looking through eyes of man and not through God's eyes. Our perspective has to be right to get the right value. In Mark chapter 5, Right before, you know, Mark 8, Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals Jairus' daughter after the virtue left him on the way. Woman touched him on the way, and he still heal, heals the daughter. If you're calculating how much virtue you need to raise your dead daughter, you don't want any of it to disappear on the way. But you can't miscalculate God. The very next chapter, that was Mark 5, Mark chapter 6, Jesus is at home and his own people miscalculate who he is based on what they see with their eyes. Faith rose up in them because they saw wonderful works that he had done and the authority that he spoke with, but then they quickly said, but that's Mary's boy. That's Joseph's son. He's a carpenter. He's one of us, and they got offended with him. See, that lack of expectation causes offense with God he, they miscalculated God and then he left and they were sick and I'm sure someone sat around and said see I told you he couldn't heal I told you it was just Mary's boy but he could have healed if they had had expectation if they had calculated correctly so how much of the kingdom are we missing because we're trying to determine whether or not it's the heart of God to manifest his kingdom on earth? 
On down in Mark chapter 6, he sends out the 12, and he sends them by two. We're all about math today. And you know what he does? He says, don't take anything else with you. Is this a racial word? When he sends them out, he says, don't take anything else with you. He gave them authority over demons, and he sent them out in his name, and he told them not to take anything else with them. Don't take food with you. Don't take two coats with you. Don't take anything with you. Just go in faith. All you need to take with you is that. Because if you take with you two coats, and if you take with you five loaves, and if you take with you two fish, and if you take with you all that stuff, and you're trying to equal holy for you and for all those you lay your hands on, because of the way man sees things, you'll end up focusing here. You won't focus enough here, and then you'll end up here. We've got too much confidence in things that can't fulfill and not enough confidence in the one who can fulfill, and we keep coming up with all the wrong answers. And then we get offended with God, who gave us everything, who set up the formula where it cannot fail, who gave us a path to wholeness in every circumstance and in every situation. I think it's Revelation 21 when we can get a little glimpse of when you say, let heaven come, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, you can see a little bit about heaven. No crying, no pain. I love one passage. I meant to take right, put it in my notes, but I didn't. I knew I already had too much. But it says, takes the pain away from the wounds. So even when there's wounds, the X factor can take the pain away from the wounds. If we believe that he can. If you can see it, you can have it. If you can't see it, you're stuck in the limited circumstances of your current reality. Matthew 13, verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, listen to this, otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. If they would come to me for the answer. If they would see rightly, and if they would hear rightly, 
and they would understand my worth, and they would return to me as the source of their wholeness, I'll heal them. But as long as they keep putting their confidence in the things that have already let them down, and they've projected the disappointment on me for things I didn't do, Look at Exodus 32.1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said, Come make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So the Israelites started making calculations. You know, you start making calculations. Well, he's been gone for three days. He's four hours late. He, you know, we don't really know. He, we don't really know who he was to start with. You know, that such disrespect. They said this man Moses. Yeah. You know, kind of like this guy Jesus, Mary's son. Who does he think he is? So they start discrediting the God in Moses that called him out, and they start looking at him wrong, and so they just zero out what he is, and so then they end up with this amazing, fulfilling thing that will take away all your problems in life. It's not that, is it? It's F. Leave me alone. It's a math lesson, not spelling. <laughs> Sounds the other way. So because of this and this and this and all these things, then we, so now let's turn to this. Actually, that's wrong, isn't it? That would be here. They decided to make this God that will lead them. And they came out with just complete lack. Right? I love this board. We substitute things all the time in our life. If I can just have this, I'll be whole. And every time, every time, I've got this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem, so I'm negative 50 right now. I need the right boyfriend, and that'll put me right up there. I got daddy issues. I got mommy issues. So if I get just the right person, if I get just the right circumstance, if I get just the right situation, I'll be whole. And so we put it in here. We discredit this. Every single time. Every single time, lack. Every single time, lack. Every single time, lack. You know what the beautiful thing is? You just keep going. Just keep going. Our, our life looks like just a run-on equation. Come up with an answer of a situation, lack. Then we start again. Well, let me try this. Well, let me try this, let me try this. 
And the cool thing is, anytime you decide to put that in, anytime, anytime in the, in the span of your formula, you're going to come out holy. But we just keep trying. We just keep trying. I think about those children of Israel coming up to the Red Sea, calculating. Can you just imagine there's probably some real smart ones in there, like three million people. They probably already had a bridge designed, you know. Everybody's calculating. Everybody's trying to figure out how do we do. we got this army behind us. And somebody, the pessimist, wait, Pharaoh's army, Red Sea, us in the middle, oh, shoot. Psalm 77, verse 16. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down like rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind, and the lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. A road that no one knew was there because you got eyes to see, but you can't see. You got ears to hear, but you don't hear. Because you're calculating all the wrong things instead of putting your faith on, in him. If you can see him in the situation, you can see a road. If you can see him in a situation, you can see hope. You can see peace. You can see promise. Proverbs 3 and 5 through the Passion Translation. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. There is truth, guys, on this. You know, two plus two is four. Does anybody like that two is two? Does anybody think two should be three? Does anybody think two should be six? Does anybody think have a different opinion of what two can equal or what two's worth is? See, people try to rewrite everything. So this relationship that's a negative 12, I think it's worth 10. It violates 15 points of wisdom in Scripture. But I think it's a 10. 
scripture specifically says, if I do this, I will die. Started in the garden, right? Uh, fruit from the tree plus me in my mouth <laughs> equals death. Satan, surely not the fruit in your mouth did he mean equals death. Surely eating the fruit is a plus 10, not a death. He's afraid you're going to be enlightened and smart as him and blah, blah, blah. I just spew all that junk out, right? And so they redefined the eating of the fruit. They attempted to lean not to your own opinions. Can I just add to it just a little bit? Lean not to your own opinions about what things are worth. But let it be defined by Scripture. Let it be defined by truth. Well, I think it's going to do this. Well, no. It's not. I can't believe how this turned out. Why? I just can't believe that this happened to me. Why? Is two plus two not four? Is eating the tree from the garden not death? Can you just imagine Adam and Eve when they got banished from the garden and the, gar and the angels were standing there with swords? I cannot believe this happened to me. Why? Is that not what was told you? Is that not the truth? Is that not what is going on? Is that me, really? Just falling down in this fuzz. Lean, do not rely on your own opinions. What's the truth? It's a mess when we don't see this rightly. So some of y'all right now, you got situations. Man, I felt it. I felt it all week. Felt it this morning, and then they just kept nailing in worship. We have such a place of healing today. You've just made decision after decision after decision based on your own opinions. And it's left you in such a place of lack and disappointment. And it's time to surrender yourself. Romans 12, I read it all the time. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's this. That's taking all this other stuff and not making it the emphasis, but surrendering your life to him. Focusing on him and saying, okay, for this to equal what it's supposed to equal, I've got to let you define this. 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 I've got to let you define all these things. 
I've got to let your word, you are the word, put in flesh. I've got to let your word define these things. I've got to let your word inform my decisions on these. I've got to lean not, don't rely on my opinions, but I've got to honor you and let you lead me in all of your ways. And do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So we talk about math. We talk about all this stuff. It, it's proof. It proves. If you submit yourself to him, you'll prove his heart for mankind. You'll prove what his intentions are. You'll prove what God wants to do in the lives of men. You'll prove that heaven can come to earth. You'll prove that his kingdom can come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You'll prove that. You'll prove it. And then everybody else will be saying, well, man, my two is really a seven and all that stuff. And then they'll look up here to yours and they'll be like, no, it's not. Two's two. And only by being submitted to him can it ever be anything different. You'll prove. You'll be a value setter. You'll be one that people will pattern their lives after. You'll be one that people will say, I think this relationship's a 10, but you showed me what real relationships are worth. You showed me. I looked at your life. I see what you did. I see how you honored God in your relationship. I see how you honored God in your choices. I see how you honored God in your work. I see how you honored God in these things, and I want the proof of what you're living now. And it's going to inform them on how to live, and you're going to prove what the will of God is. Will you stand with me today? Just for fun, go home and read Job 38. I don't have time today. Job 38. Read it in the Amplified Version if you can. It's where... God tells Job who he is and tells Job who he's not. And it really helps us shape how much we rely on our own opinions when we hear the vastness of who we are in comparison to who he is and how much our opinions matter. He asked Job questions like, were you there when I made the earth? Since you seem to know what everything's worth and what all the choices you should make, were you there? Did you help me? Why would we submit ourselves to anything other than him? so many good things there's so many good things that we try to put into the equation there's religious things that we try to put into the equation 15 things I do by my own opinion 
and then a couple of sacrificial religious duties and that should equal out to wholeness. It's not going to happen. Submitting to Him with our entire life, letting Him inform our decisions and the paths we choose is the only way. We like to segregate and, and compartmentalize and do all those things. You ever wonder why those areas of your life that you constantly base on your own opinions are the areas of your life that never work? You ever wonder why the areas of your life that you don't let Scripture inform your process are the areas of your life that keep ending in lack? It's surrender. I just see the woman with the issue of blood. Spent all she had, tried all she could try. I really believe some of you today are at an absolute place of desperation. And it's not because of a lack of effort on your part. It's just effort in the wrong things. It's confidence and striving in the wrong things. It's no lack of effort. It's no lack of desire. It's no lack of heart. You're swinging the bat super hard. You just can't see. You're swinging the bat hard enough to knock it out of the park. You're swinging the bat hard enough to hit a grand slam, but you just can't see. Disappointment, rejection, You've projected some point of brokenness. You've projected onto him, which has now built this lack of trust and lack of faith and confidence in him. So you're out here swinging wildly without any type of direction or vision. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you would see and if you would hear, you would return to me, and I would heal you. Revelation 
a redemptive revelation of God, would you break through in this room right now? Would you arrest the hearts and the minds of men and women today? Will you let them see your heart for them? Will you let them see your ability, your fullness, your overflowingness? Give them a vision of themselves whole. Give them a vision of themselves complete. Give them a vision of themselves lacking nothing. That would make them turn to you, submit to you, trust in you, put their confidence in you, surrender their life to you. Right now, let them see themselves whole. Let them see themselves whole right now. Every broken place healed, every lacking place filled, every lacking place filled. Homes restored. Love rekindled. Passion renewed. We don't want to see men walking as trees. We want to see things clearly. Heal our eyes today, God. Let us see you rightly so we'll turn the right way, put our confidence in the right one and the right thing. this morning, God. Open ears today. Let us make realignments in our life. Let us redefine the values. Let us redefine the worth. Let us redefine every other thing in light of a proper vision of you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Prayer counselors, if you'll come, prayer team members, if you'll come, just as we dismiss today, I want to make it open if someone needs prayer in a specific area, needs someone to agree with you, for a point of prayer. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. We thank you for everything that you did in our midst today. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We're overwhelmed by you. And as your people leave today, God, I pray that you would keep your hand on them, that you would continue to draw them 
to a place of greater vision. Draw them to a place of greater seeing. Draw them to a place of greater hearing. Let their lives align with your word and with your promises. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we dismiss today, they're up here to pray. If you want to pray, come on down and someone will pray with you. We love you. See you Wednesday. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 